So, um, okay, so I'll start. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast. My name is Migs Burrows, and I'm one of the brothers in the podcast. And uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and dozens of other platforms. And uh... and I'm Trace Burrows. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you like the show, please give us a good review. And today we have on show a very special guest, Adrian Barbeau, who's done like so many different things in her career, uh, you know, concerts, television, film, video games, voiceovers, goes on and on and on. So, and she's still very busy now doing films and all kinds of things. So thanks for being on the show, Adrian. Well, thank you. <laughs> you could, I just, I'd like to start off with, you know, Trace has done this with other guests, but uh, connections, but I, I, we have one degree of separation, I think, I, I was Stephen Schwartz and I were classmates at Carnegie Tech and I saw the very first production of Pippin and that was one of your first uh, shows, wasn't it? Oh, actually, no, it was my last show. Oh, uh, I, I just did Pippin in um, 2016. I did the national tour. We went over to oh. Europe and um, but no, my first my first Broadway show was uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, that's right. Okay. And uh, go ahead. I, Pippin, I think Pippin was on the boards at the same time I was doing Fiddler, but oh, yeah. uh, I had never even I had never seen it until they called me, you know, oh, right. what four years ago, five years ago, and said, How'd you like to replace Andrea Martin and do oh. the number hanging upside down from the trapeze? <laughs> and who could who could resist that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got a two, I think it's a two degrees. Um, <laughs> so, so Adrian, you were in, when I was looking up your credits in Argo, you were like in the table read, one of the, one yes. of the, right. Yeah. And didn't, um, um, what's his name? Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to say Alan Arkin because I just finished. Yes, it is Alan Arkin. Yeah. So he used to play poker with my dad. He used to live in Westport. Oh, oh yeah. Westport. Oh. <laughs> he, he was not catch twenty two, so there's already a yeah a you know a famous person, and um, he used to he'd come play uh, poker at my dad's house, and he would go there and yeah we know. weren't all, yeah and we were we were we, we weren't allowed to come out of our room, but we, we were told later oh guess who came to play poker with dad it was like Sonny Fox who had a kid show and Alan Arkin and uh, Jack Clark was a game show host yeah yeah there was all these funny people anyway. <laughs> Well, so, yes, I played his. I played his ex-wife. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he made that comment yeah. to uh, yeah. John uh, Goodman. Keep her, keep her yeah. away from me. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen that movies like ten times because I really like it, and I never, I didn't, you know, I never spotted, you know, I didn't recognize you. I, I, so I, I mean, so to do Pippin only like six years ago, what have? That's a lot. The trapeze business thing, and you're singing, and you're on a trapeze. How much training? That's like Cirque du Soleil. I mean, did you? How much training went into that? You know, I, I just had to learn the the choreography. I mean, I I've I, I've I've been a weightlifter all my life. Oh, I mean, have you? Oh, okay. Up until up until my boys started driving, and I didn't get to take them to school and then go right to the gym. I I, uh, I my preferred means of exercise was, and still is to a great extent, uh, working with machines, you know, working out mm. with weights. 
So when they asked me to do it, and of course I started out as a dancer. And so mm. I didn't have any hesitation about that. I wasn't sure if I had the strength in my wrists to hang on to the, yeah. under the poles because I mean, basically I'm hanging upside down, but then I'm being hung upside down. I, 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 Let's see, I'm trying to remember the terms. The fellow that flew me, who, who was responsible for my safety, basically, he's hanging on to me when I'm not hanging on to the bar, is called a porter. And, uh, you know, so I just put all my trust in him and I did the choreography and he's hanging, he's holding me by my ankles and I'm singing upside down. Were you harnessed or anything? Was there a safety? No, 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 no harness and no net. Wow. The, the other dancers, the male dancers, were seated on the floor as circus performers mm. in the event that something might really happen. One hoped that they would get there before my head hit the ground. Oh. <laughs> uh, it never did. Never did. <laughs> so what uh, what do you enjoy best out of all these kind of um, types of act? You know, like, you like theater, film, TV? What's your favorite sort of... Uh, Thing to do you know it's it is not so much the medium it really comes down to the the project itself it comes down to the words and the character and mm. the my overall feeling about the project um i would prefer to do a great role in a television series or in a film over theater simply because you know, eight o'clock comes around and I'd rather be sitting down reading a book than getting my, my energy up because I'm a, an early riser. But when something like the Roland Pippin comes along, then, you know, you make the adjustments and it was, it was, uh, it was great fun to do. You're also a writer, which I didn't know. You have four books. I am. Yeah, vi- I am. Vampire novels. Yeah. Yeah. What, what well, is it about vampires of Hollywood? Uh, actually, my first book was a memoir that came out in 2006, I believe. And then I wrote a, uh, a vampire series, sort of a satirical comedy horror <laughs> thriller vampire series based on the vampires of Hollywood, who are all A-list Hollywood actors like uh Orson Welles and <laughs> Charlie Chaplin, and uh, they are uh, they are controlled by um, their Chatelaine, who is uh, a 450 year old Armenian vampire who happens to run a movie studio. <laughs> She's a screen queen, <laughs> you know. They say write what you know. So, um, and like a good movie or something. Well, we are just in the process of presenting it uh, as a, a series. Oh, uh-huh. um, we, uh, we we did do a, a a film script, and we had several offers, but none of them were quite right. And then someone said, "You know, this could be a series." So we'll see what happens. And then the last book I just finished—well, it was just published—was um, a book that I edited and co-wrote. Uh, along with many, many other people. Um, It's called Greece, Tell Me More, Tell Me More. Mm. And it was an idea that came to me after the original Greece cast had a Zoom meeting right at the beginning of the quarantine. 
um, in which I, I was the original Rizzo in the Broadway production. Yeah. And but I left the show fairly early. I left it after three months to to come to L.A. and do mod. But um, we all got together on a Zoom meeting and started telling stories, most of which I had never heard because I wasn't with the show that long. And the stories were so delightful and fascinating and touching and interesting that uh, I walked away from the meeting thinking, you know, this would be a book. This could be a book. And so um, the original director of the show and one of the producers of the show and I got together, I called my literary agent and I said, what do you think? Do you think you could sell a book about Greece? And she said, yep, I think I can. And so we, uh, we solicited stories from more than a hundred actors who had appeared yeah. in the Broadway production, in the national touring companies, everybody from name people like John Travolta or Mary Lou Henner or Treat Williams, Peter Gallagher, uh, Richard Koch, you know, people that you would know from their television work or their film work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and many, many others who had gone on to success either in, in the acting field or the writing field or producing or whatever they went on to. And they sent us their stories about their auditions, about doing the show, about the backstage romances, about mm. the things that went wrong, you know. And um, and the book just came out uh, in June, and it's it's gotten great reviews, and it's it's been quite a, quite a success for people who really. It's it starts with the creation of the show in Chicago. The show originally was done, you know, very raunchy, very raw uh, production in a uh, trolley barn in Chicago mm. and um, and follows it to, you know, the, the producers finding it and, and convincing the writers that they had a Broadway show in their in their grasp and uh, so it's it's an interesting treatise on putting a show together on you know yeah. what is involved in 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 getting the job and then and then what happens when you're on the road and and it's fun it's great fun so that's the last thing i did that's, that got wow. me through the pandemic and i heard you say in one interview and you know you don't have to uh, that you you weren't that enamored of the movie that maybe it was a little too candy coated or something about I mean what you what... know I, I can't I I've, I've never seen the movie oh uh, oh so I don't I don't know anything about the movie I did hear one of the songs mm-hmm. you know playing over a music thing when I was in a boutique one day and and <laughs> it, it was such a different approach to what we had done that mm. I thought oh maybe I, I maybe I just want to keep my memories the way they are. And I do know that all of the productions that have been done in the last 20 years or 30 years uh, bear very little resemblance to what we did. Mm. We, we, put, we published the book uh, for the 50th anniversary. The Greece opened 50 years ago this year. Mm. And the, uh, the, some of the proceeds from the book are going to the Actors Fund. 
Um, but the show that we did in 1972 was quite different than the show that you might see now if you go to see your children in a high school production <laughs> right. or, you know, the local community theater or wherever and, you're seeing it. And Olivia Newton-John just passed yeah. two days ago. Yes, yes. Um, well, I... Well, no, I wanted to, yeah, well, I wanted to switch, sort of switch gears a little bit because you, you know, you have, you have so many different facets of your career, but one of them is, is kind of the John Carpenter yeah, right. the movies John and, and other ones beyond that. And, um, you know, Fog and, uh, oh, I, my, one of my favorite movies is Escape from New York. It was a fantastic movie. Um, so what was it? Well, one question, which is sort of a gossipy question, what, is, was John Carpenter, I mean, you were married, you, you married John Carpenter. But, right. I mean, did he have like a dungeon in the basement? Was he a weird guy or was he just kind no. of like, if you, met him at, <laughs> if you met him at a party, would you think he was a, a totally normal guy or met both of you at a party? And you think, well, you're just a you totally might not normal meet him, couple. You might not meet him at a party because he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, we, he only socialized with, with our close friends. He oh. wasn't part of the... He wasn't part of that big Hollywood scene or anything, okay. but uh, no, he's not a weird guy. <laughs> he's not a weird guy. I met him when he interviewed me to um, act in uh, the first studio film that he directed uh, called Someone's Watching Me. Mm. And uh, it, I went into his office to meet him and I was immediately attracted to him, but um I did not know that he was, uh, you know, available. <laughs> and so I forgot anything more about it. And then eventually uh, it became apparent that we were attracted to each other. So we got married before we, we, we got married after we had worked together. So oh. I knew him as a director first. And oh. then, uh, and then when we did the fog, we had just gotten married. We got married in, on January 1st, I think, of, of 79, I guess. And then we filmed, we did The Fog right after that, if, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, no, he's, he's, uh, he's very witty. He's incredibly gifted and talented. And uh, where, not a weird guy. Not a weird guy. Where, do you, where do you think that, I mean, you, you, you contributed to the, you know, obviously to the style and the and the impact of the movies, but where, you know, where does that darkness come from? Do you think, or is it just sort of play? Is it just just playful almost? Did you think of it as playful, or do you think of it as you know touching on? I would always have you know to me it would be like you know these are really dark subjects. I don't know if I should even go there. You know. Ah, see, I don't. Um... I haven't seen any of his later work. Oh, okay. I mean, one of my favorite films of John's is Starman. Which, oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that he ever. I, I mean, I would never. I would never attribute the word dark to John. He was more interested in making the audience feel mm. rather than think. You yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I remember him telling uh, a story about the first. I don't know if it was the first movie his mom ever took him to, but he was only eight years old. Maybe it was the first scary movie she ever took him to. I, I want to say it was 
I don't know. Maybe it came from outer state. I don't know what it was. You'd have to look that up. But he was, he tells the story that he was watching it and he got so scared. He jumped up and started running out of the theater and got back about halfway out and turned around and went back and thought, this is great, you know, <laughs> because it had, uh, I shouldn't be speaking for him. I haven't, you know, but I think it had a visceral effect on him. Sure. And, you know, when, when we first started, when we first did The Fog, I mean, I was interested in doing movies that had some social import, you know, and I mean, I had just finished Maud and we were dealing mm. with, you know, everything under the sun, abortion and uh, homosexuality mm. and malpractice. And um, and now here we were doing a, a, a ghost story. And it was like, well, this isn't important. But um, I soon grew to, grew to realize that that movie has probably entertained many, many, many more people than any of the other stuff that was being made in those days. Yeah. Yeah, it's very visceral. I mean, that's definitely you come out, you feel the movie. Yeah. Starman, who was that? Kevin Spacey? No, uh, some other. No, 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 Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Jeff Bridges and Karen yeah, Allen. Like, but for some reason, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was he was brilliant in it. He was just yeah. brilliant in it. Mm. Yeah. So, so you all, this fascinates me too because it's. Um, you 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 do voiceovers or, or voices for for some animated Catwoman, you know? yeah, features, and then you do and video games. So I'm always curious from an actor's point of view. I mean, I'm not an actor. I went to Carnegie as a theater major and took acting classes, but so you know, I've had a brush with that kind of instruction. But um, yeah, what do you bring to that? You know, it's not a real character. You can't read about them. You can't interview their parents. You can't. You know, um, where where do you, how do you create a, a voice, or you just look for an interesting voice? voice? Or do you have to make up something? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I've never thought of them as not a real character. Okay. I think you, you, you express, I mean, you, what they're feeling, who they're talking to, how they feel about what they're mm. saying, and how they feel about who they're talking to. Those are all on, on the page. Uh, you know, those are in the words. Um, there's no time with, certainly with video games, mm. uh, or even really with animation to, you know, do a backstory, but um, it's more just deciding what the emotions are for the, for that character at that time. Um, <laughs> and how do you I just, told, I just told someone this story the other day. Um, I was in the parking lot at Los Angeles International Airport when my voiceover agent called. I had just landed, I guess. And on my iPhone, she said to me, do you have a French accent? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, okay, can you, can you say a couple of things in your French accent on your iPhone and send it to me? And so we hung up and I used my, you know, my voice app on the iPhone and I said whatever I said. And she called me back about a half hour later. She said, okay, you're going in to play 
to do a 90-year-old French maid who's having a sex scene with Carl Reiner <laughs> on Family Guy. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, you know, I get there, and of course, Carl's not in the booth. It's just me. Yeah. And you just have the words, and uh, you say them the way you think a 90-year-old French maid would say them. <laughs> we get a little taste of that dialogue? just to... Oh, <laughs> if you go to my website, um, <laughs> www.abarbo.com, I have a maybe a two-minute reel of all of my of some of my animation work and uh you can hear her i i can't remember what she, uh uh i, I can't remember what she said oh but she was doing this and then just they went right away on the boat and i can't remember what the lines were but it's there and then when you see the animation it's like oh my gosh have you ever youtubed your name and see what comes up because um, I saw them. so doing research on you like so this video comes up and says the sad story of Adrian Barbeau so I said well, you know I gotta hear this and it didn't seem very sad um <laughs> this something <laughs> I mean was that the one that said I had died no it didn't say oh, it didn't oh, say you died <laughs> No, no, it didn't say he died. It just like she's going, those are like a voiceover, going through all the clips of all kinds of things that you've done. And I was trying to, waiting for the sad, like, what yeah. do I you know, need to know, you know? And basically, I guess the sad part, I think they're just hyping it up so people would watch it because the, I didn't hear any really super sad unless you want to fill us in on that. It was just at the end of Maud, like you, you felt like um, you weren't getting the right you know lines or parts for in the show and you kind of were didn't get in the last season or parts of it it wasn't clear to me what she was the the narrator was trying to say um it didn't seem like a sad story it just seemed like they're, uh, just, they're just picking on some little it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a sad story and it wasn't a true story um <laughs> I had I had signed for five years, and when the fifth year, when they started the sixth year, I was starting to do other things, and so I negotiated my contract with the producers that if I had an offer to do something else, uh, you know, they had to give me a two week notice or uh, somehow if I had an offer to do something else, I could you know not be written out of that show. So I didn't do every episode in the last season oh. but it wasn't sad it was, it was yeah. if anything it was it was helpful to me because i was able to go on and yeah, and could. still can, can still continue with my family on mod but do do other tv movies and uh, that's yeah. probably when i did someone's watching me for john oh yeah yeah. So that working with B. Arthur, I mean, did that was that a good relationship? I mean, was it an oh, acting it job or was it a good relationship? No, no, no. It was fantastic. It was yeah. it was six years of going to spend eight hours a day with my family. Oh, it yeah. really was. It was just with people I just loved and uh it never felt like well, I, most of my jobs have never felt like a day of work, but that one certainly didn't feel like a day of work. I was so fortunate and blessed to be to be working with those people and be just you have come on <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not the only one <laughs> i'm the only guy uh, 
But they said, well, at some point you said it did, I don't know if it bothered you or you just sort of your eyes were open to the thing of like, why they keep having me walk downstairs, you know? Oh, that was, I think it wasn't until later. (laughs) But but no, yeah. No, no. Yeah. It does come across. I don't think you can fake actors can fit. Well, you, actors fake fake what they're doing. They're, it's a, in a sense, it's a hard word. But no, it comes across. I think that the chemistry was very seemed very real and uh, or it wouldn't have worked as, as well as it did. And um, it was not just with the cast, but the writers, the director. Mm-hmm. We had the same director for six years, mm-hmm. uh, five and a half. He joined us about halfway through, I think the first season, um, the producers, I mean, we, we just. Did they, yeah. did they ever ask for your input? I mean, it's like, or did you ever say, you know, that's not something I would say or. Oh yes. Oh yeah. We, we had a, we would have a table read mm-hmm. of the script uh, a week before we were going to start rehearsals on it. And everybody pitched in, you know, uh, if you had an idea for a line or if like B was one of the most generous, she would, you know, I think this line would be funnier if so-and-so said it or, you know, mm. or uh, I, I'm not sure how to make this work. Can you help me or whatever, you know, um, there was, and, and the more they, the more we contributed, the more they knew to write for us. Mm. Yeah. So it was a collaborative <laughs> Was that a Norman Lear show? Norman Lear, yes. It was, yeah. 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 So here's a here's an off the track question, but and if you don't have an answer, it's okay. But if you have you ever thought, and maybe you've got something in the works, I'm hoping to maybe reveal something. (laughs) If you had to play a historic figure, a movie, you're going to be cast, and but you had the choice of what. Well, it doesn't have to be historic. It could be anybody, you know. I mean, you know, be a real some a real person, a real person that exists, a biographical, uh, yeah, a, bi- a biography, a movie biography of somebody. You know, it could be another actor. It could be somebody that's long past. It could be a historical figure. Have you thought of who who you might portray? And the flip side of that, the other question, you could answer either or or neither, is who would you want to play you? In your biopic, <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. In your, oh my god! <laughs> in your biopic, yeah. Uh, I, I suspect that I'm not that familiar with um, with actresses who are just starting out, <laughs> who are who are just 19 and getting ready to move to New York to try and be on Broadway. So right, I don't that, know who that would be. They probably um, and. I've never, I, I'm not a person who ever has ever thought about, you know, historical figures or anything, but not long ago, I read, I had to do some research on a woman for an audition, and I thought she was quite fascinating, and it was, her name was Lois, I mean, I, what I thought was somebody should research this woman and write a book about this woman. I think her name is Lois Rogan. She was with her husband, the leader of the uh, Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians, right. She she and her husband took over the Branch Davidians from an Eastern European man 
who established them in the 30s. She, in the 70s and 80s, she was the driving force behind the Branch Davidians. Mm. And she had a visitation from, I don't know, the Holy Spirit or something. Mm. She believed that the Holy Spirit was female. And she had a, a, a pamphlet that she, she was very active in the women's movement in the 70s, I don't know about the 80s, the 60s and the 70s, when she was the head of the Branch Davidians. And she brought this young man into the Branch Davidians after her husband died. She mentored him. She had a she got pregnant by him. She was in her 60s. She got mm. pregnant by him, lost the baby. He changed his name to David Koresh. Oh. Oh. He, oh. he battled her other son for control of the Branch Davidians. Her other son eventually ended up in a mental institution because he put an axe into somebody's head. Uh. And David Koresh ousted her from her position in the Branch Davidians. And then he went on to, you know, to, to end it up yeah. in Waco. Oh. But it was such a fascinating story of this woman uh, that I, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know the yeah. only other answer I've ever had for, for your question, and I'm too old a player now, is I loved the role that Jane Fonda did in Clute. Oh yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> and I and I love the role that Joanne Woodward did in Three Faces of Eve, <laughs> but yeah. those are long gone, and I'm way past the point. Well, there, there's another two two degrees. Joanne Woodward lives in our yeah. town. I mean, she's not doing very well, but we know her daughter, and she lives in Westport here where we live. Uh, yeah. Um, well, this, well Three Faces of Eve. Yeah. yeah. She was brilliant. She was brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Wait, there in that documentary series of Newman's called The Last Movie Stars, um uh it, it I think I don't know if Paul said it about her. she's the better actress, but she had to sort of give up, you know, for being a mother to six her three children, his three children, and she sort of gave up her career to to be a mother, which she chose. And uh but everyone Paul and everyone else admitted that she was the better actor of the two of them. I think they were equal. I mean, they were equally yeah. talented. Well, he, was very much. he just had more opportunities to shine. Well, exactly. Well, well, that's the thing. While she was being a mother, he had more opportunities. Yeah. He was Which, working. There's no diminishing him. We, you know, he's, he's yeah. But um, another out of the blue question: Do you have any? Uh, are your are your children in in show business or writers or any any kind of? Creative. My children are all extremely creative. My older son with John is a, a, a composer, a musician, mm. and a Japanese linguist. He he is, you know, he works translating and teaching and all of that when he's not, he and his dad are just finishing scoring the latest Halloween movie. Oh. Uh, they scored, they just scored Firestarter and they scored the other Halloween movies and Prior to that, they were, they did a national, uh, an international tour. Um, uh, Cody's a brilliant, brilliant musician and composer. He has his own uh, 
you know, own music that he publishes and produces. My son, William Van Zandt, is a music producer who's first, who has one of the songs in the new Elvis movie. Really? He produced one of the songs in the new Elvis movie and he's doing quite well. He's got one gold record and I think one platinum record to his name already. He's he's only 25 and he's Mm. doing quite well. And his twin brother is a uh, fashion designer and uh, does product development and design for major recording artists and uh, has his own line of clothing as well. And uh, so, you know, they're all, none of them are actors (laughs) and that's just fine. (laughs) Wow, you've got it all covered. How about pets? Do you have any pets? (laughs) I have two. I have have a Siberian Husky and a Golden Retriever. Uh, well, yeah. We used to have a golden tree. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, Adrian. We're out of Thank time. you very much. You've been really generous <laughs> and for hanging in there with us. Yeah, thanks. And uh, okay. what, you want to say, say your website again? Yes, it's uh, com, And my Insta, my Insta page is Adrienne underscore Barbo. And... Um, I stay away from Twitter and I never, I don't, you know, anything I post on my Insta page may end up on my Facebook page, but I don't pay any attention to Facebook, but, um, uh, and my website, my website has, it's pretty much, I try and keep it up to date. Do you have any current projects you want to plug? I'm actually, I'm on my way to New York. They're screening a film that I did almost two years ago, they're screening uh, Unearth at uh, the Metropolitan, I'm sorry, the Museum of Modern Art at MoMA Uh next uh, Monday the 22nd. I'm starting work on a film in October, and I just finished a couple of video games and a couple of animated films. And in the interim, I narrate television and uh, television series and movies for uh, the visually impaired. So that if you're watching, you know, mm-hmm. Bull or Seal Team or Nova or uh, any, you know, a lot of the horror films and you put your TV on the SAP channel, you'll hear my voice describing wow. what's going on on screen in between the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's fantastic. And you and don't- I, do really, I, I enjoy doing that because it introduces me to stuff I'd never watch on my own. And, uh, <laughs> And, and uh, you know, I think I think people enjoy having that, sure. having the ability to, to hear the words. Right. And you, you don't do it as a 90-year-old French lady, do you? No, no I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do try and, I do try and, you know, keep in, in the consistent with whatever the series is. I've been doing American Horror Story. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> If if it's tense, then there's a little tension that comes into your voice, you know. But uh, so that's what's going on. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's great learning more about this yeah. stuff. Okay. Thank you both very much. Yeah, okay. pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.